0: G'day and welcome back to the My Peak Podcast, home of holistic development. Thank you for joining us today, Brownie. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks for asking. How are you? I am so pumped today because we have another special guest, another elite athlete, and actually an elite athlete that's performed incredibly well over the last two or three seasons of cricket and someone we're extremely excited to have on the podcast. Yeah, this particular athlete is... uh... Definitely no
1: stranger to success, definitely no stranger to championships, and is surrounded by a
0: fantastic environment in both grade cricket and also the professional level. Today we have Hayden Kerr sits down with us on the podcast, unpacks his journey to where he is today, which is probably a little bit different to a lot of the other athletes we've had on the My Peak podcast so far. He's someone that didn't necessarily make all of the elite uh, academies growing up through the Cricket New South Wales ranks, but someone that worked extremely hard away and got into an elite setup at Sydney Uni and that's where he started to really flourish as a player and start to achieve the results that he has over the last well you've probably seen the results over two years but he's been doing this for a lot longer than just two years
1: yeah I love this episode with Curry, and one thing that really stood out to me was he constantly has to pinch himself from his day to day life because he still doesn't believe what he's achieving in his cricket and Uh, The other thing that I really love that Curry touched on was the importance of surrounding himself with the right people and putting himself in the right environments. And that's just uh, really cemented what we believe My Peak is all about. Cameron and I love that our athletes get to rock up in a high professional environment each and every day that they're with us and experience what it's like to be in one of those high-performance academies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is an episode that we will look back in in probably five or ten years and think, Wow. We had Curry on the podcast before all these things happened in his career because I think he's someone that's just scratching the surface of to the, the level of play that he's going to be. So this is a good opportunity to really dive into what he's doing and what he's done to get to where he is today. All right, guys. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode with Hayden Kerr. We are super pumped today to have Hayden Kerr join us from the Sydney Sixers and New South Wales Blues. Curry, how are you, legend?
2: Good guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, really humbled to be here. It's not every day you get asked to be on a podcast, so it's pretty exciting.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's start with. We were just talking before we jumped on about today being day one of the preseason. So do you want to just give everyone a little insight into what day one of preseason for a professional cricketer looks like?
2: Yeah, it's uh it sounds pretty hardcore, but it's actually not that bad as you think. Um today was uh some different types of strength testing so guys just kind of getting back in have a coffee together and catch up Um, we did varying strength tests low limb jumping um, throwing some weight around that sort of stuff Um, and we've got another day tomorrow um, and another day next week as well just breaking up all the tests just so that you don't kind of overload your body all at once
0: yeah awesome so today being day one is it actually your first day have you been plugging away in your own time in the lead up
2: Yeah, like we were just speaking about off-air before, I've been plugging away. Um, So we would have finished late March, early April of 2023, and I probably had two weeks off. Um, And then after that, I got straight back into it, um, just from a fitness perspective. I haven't really hit many balls, um, and it was for varying reasons. I was hoping to get overseas overseas. Um, with you know lots of different cricket going on at the moment. So I was getting myself ready if that opportunity arose and so far it hasn't. So I took the foot off the gas a little bit and just got myself back in the gym. And yeah, so I've been going for a couple of months now, a few days a week, um, just ticking over and it's it's led me nicely into the pre-season today.
0: Yeah, awesome. And is it both gym and running as well?
2: Yeah, I've been doing a bit of both. Um, I had... Uh, two hamstring tendinopathies and a a whole bunch of other things going on with my back and other stuff from the long season. So it had been a a big 24 months of cricket for me. So I laid off the running a little bit um, and it was more just trying to build myself up uh, strength-wise. A few runs, getting back into it now. But, yeah, it'd be pretty balanced moving forward.
1: Yeah, lovely. And, Kerry, your pathway to where you are now you've had a pretty successful last 24 months or or even three years but it's been a little bit different for you hasn't it to end up sort of where you are now what's sort of been your pathway into I guess the state contract you're in now but also the Sydney Sixers franchise
2: yeah I suppose um, I could go back to maybe at the end of high school is probably where it started for me um, so I was playing um, you know like first 11 cricket for my school and as you do, you kind of outgrow that a little bit um, if you're taking your cricket seriously and especially for a country school like mine. Um, so I went up and played for Sydney Uni, albeit in the lower grades at the start of my career, if you can call it a career, in, in fourth <laughs> grade and below. So, um, yeah, we were, we were playing down there, um, doing okay. Um, got admitted into what they call the Elite Athlete Program at Sydney Uni, so it's a very similar program to what you guys run yourselves um, so you'd be very familiar with that setup, but you know strength conditioning, uh, skills, mental performance, all that sort of stuff being packed into one package um and developing yourself into the best version of what you can be. Um, mm. so I embrace that fully and, and try my absolute best to oh, sorry, we've got the post from here <laughs> <You're probably laughs>
0: my dog and... delivery.
1: this elite athlete pathway you talk about at Sydney uni, that's something that that's first we've heard of it. and Obviously, Sydney Uni have have had a lot of success in the grade competition. Um, do you put it down to this culture you guys are developing in this sort of pre-lead athlete um, program you guys run there?
2: Undoubtedly. Um, yeah. Anyone that's gone on to have a, a decent career or, you know, a good first-grade career, enjoy their cricket in general and just get the best out of themselves. They're usually the ones that participated in this program, Um you kind of, you know, get caught up in that culture and the, the vibe around the group and you really want to improve yourself every day. So it's been, you know, so, so important for me because I wouldn't be where I am today without people like that leading me in that direction. Um, because, you know, when I first moved up to Sydney, I was a very different person to the, to the one I am today and as a cricketer as well. Um, so I've kind of put it down Maybe to the program, it could be a bit of self-development. Like It's hard to really put it down to one thing, but I would say that that was the biggest factor for sure.
1: So, Curry, when you moved into that program, what kinds of cricketers – I mean, you were obviously very young when you first moved in there. What sort of cricketers were you being mentored by or looking up to that were also involved in that program?
2: Uh, Probably the first one and the most important that would spring to mind is Nick Larkin. So he Mm. was – just on the verge of his first state contract at that time, a very successful first grade cricketer. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of rolling in from fifth grade and here's Larco throwing me balls. Um, it was, you know, yeah. a very, yeah, a very good thing to, yeah, be a part of. And that has kind of continued forward as we've, you know, grown as a group and a club and all that sort of stuff. So um, it's good to see that, that hasn't changed. Um, mm. So Larko's is probably a, a good one to name. And a lot of people would know him from you know, playing with the Melbourne Stars and that sort of stuff too.
0: Yeah, awesome. Do you want to just fast track a couple of years, Curry? I know I first met you pushing sight screens. I don't even know if you remember this. We were pushing a sight screen and Uzi Kawaja was blowing up because the sight screen was taking so long <laughs> to get pushed and he was getting ducted match fees. And at the time, you weren't bowling because you were injured. So, do you just want to touch on a few of the setbacks you've had with injury and then mm. maybe also what that allowed you to develop in perhaps your batting side of the game as
2: well? Mm. I do remember that. And it still scars <laughs> me to this day. Never tell Kim that that was. So I'm scared. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like. Though I've had a few setbacks along the way, but admittedly, like that one in particular, I suppose wasn't really at a crucial point of of my career. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was playing lower grade cricket, and it didn't really matter whether I was batting or bowling. Like, you know, you're playing fourth grade. Like, let's be realistic about it. And so I was, um, and that kind of drove me to get better. And that was kind of as I was just getting into that elite athlete program as well. So I started, yeah, channeling my energy into What can I get better at with my body? What can I get better at with my batting? What can I offer, you know, in the field and around the group? All that sort of stuff. Um, And, yeah, it kind of launched me into becoming more of a batting all-rounder for probably the next two to three years, I'd say, until my body kind of caught up to where my ambition was with my bowling Mm. Um, because I probably always infused my ambition with my ability a little bit. And I think that's Mm. actually kind of driven me to where I am today that sometimes, you know, I was – I've always been on fast forward. I'm I'm going for the next thing, trying to achieve something. And um, I suppose that that setback was bad in that sense that it did slow me down, but it actually made me get better at what I needed to get better at that day and not think about, you know, too far into the future, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we had a few other guys on the podcast who said very similar things when they get injured, it also provides them an opportunity to work on another skill as well. So that's awesome. And, if we fast track forward again a little bit, I remember you played against us at Howl Over one day. You hit about 130 off 95 balls or something, and absolutely <laughs> smoked them. And that was kind of like you were kind of announced yourself to the grade community and first grade. And gee, this guy's you know something to work with. What was like your first year or two like playing first grade cricket? It
2: was pretty surreal because I remember. When I first rolled into Sydney University, the the first eleven team at the time, I'd say six of the eleven were currently contracted. Um, of the the rest that weren't contracted, they're were all playing second eleven or playing BBL cricket. So wow. um, I was walking in and opening the batting uh, with Ed Cowan on on my first grade debut. Um, yeah. and I just I jumped the second grade. I'd I'd been away and played in this tournament in Sri Lanka and did quite well against some. They had some international cricketers there. So I think Sydney Uni must have flagged that as a sign and given me a little promotion and an opportunity at the top of the order. Um, and there I was, yeah, walking out to bat against, uh, it was like Charlie Stobo, who's <laughs> the current contractor. And I, I had these guys on pedestals and, yeah. um, you know, I was scared myself, but that was kind of my, you know, announcement to first grade. And I did really well that day and it launched me from from that day onwards pretty much. Um so, yeah, I've always had those guys around me pushing me forward.
1: Yeah, that's great, Kerry. And that's something I want to touch on quickly here is you've obviously come from the country, country boy, and you found yourself in well, probably what we would consider two very successful in terms of our culture, cricket teams, if you include the Sydney Sixers. When you first moved into these two franchises, including Sydney Uni, what What kinds of things did you try and do straight away in terms of surrounding yourself with particular players was you mentioned Larko, but was there anyone else even in the, in the Sixers team that you gravitated towards really quickly just to act as a sponge?
2: Um, I wouldn't actually say there was a particular player as such. I think it was, it's more of a group environment there as, Mm -hmm. as we kind of mentioned before, like I look a lot to the senior guys, as everyone naturally does. You Moses Henriques, um, Dan Christians, those types of players, Sean Abbott, even um, mm-hmm. that have been around the bush, and you know they've had very successful careers and long mm-hmm. careers as well. Um, and I wouldn't say it's a it's a it's never really like a direct conversation. You know, how am I going to do this, or how am I going to get better at whatever? And sometimes it is, but if that needs to be said, they usually come over and give you a pat on the shoulder and be like, "Look, I reckon you should maybe go about it this way." um, or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, in general, it's just been a, a group vibe that's kind of, you know, driven me forward and, and I suppose thought about how I'm going to get better the next day.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Moses there and he's someone that Cam and I look up to a lot in ter- particularly in captaincy and what's it like to play under him and, and what's it just like to be out on the field? What kind of presence does he bring to a team environment?
2: I actually think it's a presence that you can never measure because I know uh, for my like breakout year for the BBL where I actually, I played a few games and ended up getting on a good roll with taking wickets. Moses would stand at mid off that whole year and he would guide me through like, you know, setting up and over what he thinks needs to be done at the time or what type of ball he might feel is going to, you know, get a circle. So I reckon like I took, 25 wickets that year, I think. Mm. Um, And I'd say of that 25, probably 10 to 15 of those have come from him just being like, oh, I have a feeling. I reckon you should maybe try this ball. Um, The players, you know, setting up this way, let's give you this field. Can you execute this for me? And I'd be like, yep, let's try it, see how we go. And it would be completely against what I suggested on my walk back to Mark. (laughs) Um, And yeah, 10 or 15 balls were like, Every time he goes, it was just like he was reading, reading the game one step ahead of what was happening. It was wild. So you've obviously had a
1: really good couple of years in the big bash. Like you said, you got on a bit of a roll with taking wickets and you pretty much stamped your, your spot in that 11, what kinds of things, or how have you fine tuned now your preparation leading into a big bash game? And what does Curry do sort of the day or two before, even the morning of a big bash to, to be ready to execute out on the field?
2: Um, yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that I've stamped, you know, a position in that side because I've never felt that way um, yeah. and I still don't feel that way just with how good those guys are. You just never can have that attitude in professional sport. Um, but um, leading into prep in general, I think it's, it's probably less glamorous and flashy than what you'd probably assume. It's, you know, what you would normally do of a Saturday morning on your way to a game, you know, same sort of brekkie, same sort of movement relax a little bit. Um, And I've gone through waves and I still do where sometimes I'll overanalyze and over prep and I come into games with a preconceived idea of what I think I should be doing in certain Mm. situations or how I should be matching up to a certain player and it's always come off the wrong side of how I wanted it to. So Mm -hmm. I've gone through the waves of being a bit naive and just turning up and playing to last year I was probably overprepping, overanalyzing and trying to dot all the I's and cross the T's and it, it worked for me, but it also it didn't work as well as I would have liked. Um, so I think I've kind of circled back to having my best prep is just being relaxed, being myself, whatever I feel like I should be doing that day is what I'll do, yeah, um, no. and just turn with mental energy and focus um, to be present.
0: Mm. Yeah. While we're talking about preparation, Kira, I'd love to know, like, being an all-rounder is certainly no easy feat in the game of cricket, let alone t20 cricket but Mm. what's your preparation like trying to balance both getting prepared as a batter as a bowler and also a fielder as well in the modern game
2: yeah i suppose you kind of just go in ebbs and flows with your prep and what you feel like you need at that time you know like maybe you've you've played the last say three games in a row and bowled four overs in all of them and you've gone okay so you might feel like you don't need as much prep there um, you just kind of tick over and get the job done and maybe move on to some batting. Um, cause obviously you have limited amount of time in a session, um, to get your prep done and, um, some and limited energy as well. Say you've got a game the next day. Um, so you're trying to kind of cover all bases a little bit with what you need. Um, and it's never the perfect world with that prep either. I think as yeah. an all rounder, maybe as a, a batter or a bowler, you can get it a bit more spot on. Um, that I've just found that yeah, that's what's works best for me. And that's the feedback I've gotten from some of the best. Like we were speaking about Moses before, DC, those types of guys. They're never they're not hitting for three hours and bowling for an hour and a half. You know, they're just kind of basing it off what they've had the last month, what they think they need, and I'll top up from there. In
1: a in a sort of a big bash season, Kerry, you guys are flying in and out and playing games sometimes every few days. What kind of recovery techniques are you guys using in that period to make sure like you said you're present and ready to go come game day
2: um yeah there's no nothing groundbreaking like they'll always put an ice bath on for you after the game and a good feed mm-hmm. um and if there is a tight schedule um they're making sure that or it's more the onus is on you i suppose but you know trying to get a good sleep before you get on the flight the next morning um you travel to wherever you're going the next day, make sure you set yourself up properly, you know, get some movement in um, and then another good sleep again the next night. There's nothing really um, too extravagant that, you know, they're doing. They might get the group together as a warm-up pre-training and go through some stretching and stuff like that. But it's I- – I would say it's definitely more down to the social aspect and just relaxing as a mm. group and, and that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. While we're talking a bit of Big Bash, a common – Uh, Phrase, I suppose you hear a lot about the Sixers is players playing their role in the team. Mm. Really interested, Curry, when you come into the team, what was your, what did they, what was your clarity around the role you had to play in that Sydney Sixers side?
2: (laughs) Um, I think I was the guy that bats eight and didn't bowl when I first came in. um, And yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's hard to say because I think my role's, changed as we've gone throughout yeah, um yeah. you know I the first time I came in I was I was batting seven and eight and bowling you know two or three overs from the 10th over to the 15th and just taking whatever was easy um yeah. and now all of a sudden I'm bowling like one in the power play two at the death and a surge over um yeah. and I hate to I'm so sick of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like it's never, it kind of changes each game. You know, it's not, you never go into the game and be like, okay, you're bowling these overs tonight. Um, again, it's, you know, just game feel, game sense from Moe, those sorts of things. I usually know whereabouts I'm going to bat. Um, and I'm trying to have a bit more impact in that role because I've been opening the batting in the grade scene the whole time, which you, essentially you've got 60 balls each uh, from that time. So you can give yourself a bit of, space to get yourself in but I'm finding myself walking in on a lot bigger grounds go, guys bowling way faster and having to strike at 200 from the first ball is just really difficult so um, yeah. that's something that I'm trying to practice um, whether it's successful or not I suppose we'll find out in the next couple of years but yeah it's always an ongoing process that sort of stuff with role play
0: yeah speaking of batting curry run us through your mindset I'm trying to think I'm pretty sure it was a finals game was it's it semi-finals. a final yeah final yeah. When you went out to open the bat in, I remember thinking this is exactly what Curry will want because I don't know. Do you see yourself more of a batting or a bowling all rounder?
2: Well, leading into the first few contracts, I would say a batting all rounder. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now I, my roles have been played, I would say a bowling all rounder. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. The way I'm being used currently, bowling all rounder. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, what was your mindset like where you would have known you were capable with the bat in hand, but obviously to open the bat in a sixes lineup and in a semi final just amplifies that pressure? What was going through your mind walking out to bat?
2: It did. Um, it was, I barely slept the night before. I felt so sick. I was that nervous. But yeah. there's also a bit more of a backstory to that was. It was actually more for myself. Like, obviously, I needed to do a job for the team and all that sort of stuff. But uh, so two years prior, it was uh, my debut season for the Sixers and I'd come in on a replacement player contract, um, batted eight, didn't bowl, got dropped after four or five games. Um, And after that time, uh, you know, you turn up to the games. The Sixers were playing at home at the SCG. It was a Sydney smash against the Thunder and there was 37,000 there, all my mates, all my family, all that sort of stuff. But I knew I'd been dropped prior to the game, so they knew. Anyway, James Vince is batting in the nets and gets hit on the arm by a wanger. So um, he's out for the game. Shippy comes and gives me a tap on the shoulder. I don't have my kit <laughs> at the ground, nothing. Just got, just <laughs> got my his training here. And he's like, mate, um, we're going to add you into the squad tonight. Um, bear with me. We're just going to work out our lineup. This is it you know, 6.40 and we've got a seven o'clock game. Like we know the toss has been done, we're batting first. So we know that. Um, And he comes back and he's like, yeah, look, you're you're opening the stick. (laughs) Like, let's do it. Like, you know, at that point I'd been opening the whole time and that's what first got me into the program. So um, I was like, you beauty, let's do it. But I was also, you know, very, very nervous, knew what was on the line, I'd already been dropped and my head just wasn't there at all. Anyway, walk out to bat as the first over the game. Drono Cook, good mate of mine, and you'd all know him. He's a mm. Sydney-grade bowler, rolling through his first over of the BBL, and I just play all around a standard leg spinner, get bowled first ball for a duck. Oh, sorry, third ball for a duck, walking off in front of 37,000. Um, didn't play another game for two years. So it took two years for me to get oh, back wow. into the side. It was almost like a redemption moment, if that made sense, yeah. mm. just because like that been replaying over and over in my head, like, oh, if I had done my prep better, if I, you know, whatever it could have been, I could have prepared yeah. better, got myself in a better space because I was worried about who was at the game, who's going to be watching, Geez, I'm opening the batting on telly, blah, 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 all this rubbish that just didn't matter. Um, two years later, come back, focus, smashed it. Um, yeah. And that, that was like kind of the moment for me. It was just proving it to myself that I was good enough to, to do that. Um, obviously, I knew that I had a job in front of me and that was going to sort itself out if I could just kind of compose myself to what I needed to do. Um, hopefully, I get another chance like that. I got it, got to bat like that in the final. Um, missed out, but um, it's never easy facing scorches. Um, but yeah, maybe one day that opportunity arises again.
1: Kerry, do you try and piece the puzzles? Like, thinking back on that innings, like, that 98 not out was phenomenal. Like, I mean... There was very few innings where I scored runs, but I always try and think back to what I did well in the prep or out in the middle there. Do you constantly think back to that game and think, what can I take or what am I trying to um, implement in the in the future, in the games ahead?
2: Yeah, I think it was just like, the. Cl- it sounds a bit silly, but like the clarity in myself that I knew that I'd given myself the best chance to succeed that day. And if I wasn't good enough, then fair enough. Whereas I wasn't walking out to that game worried about all the external factors that you just can't control, which was the complete opposite to the cricketer I was when I first, you know, got my contract with the Sixers and started getting some games. It was just a completely different mindset. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's hard to narrow it down to one sort of prep, but I think it was just in general being more comfortable in myself as a person and, you know, just accepting that I'm going to try my best today. I've prepped well, and let's just see where that gets me.
1: Mm. And in that two-year period where you said you you didn't get another game um, after being dropped, what kinds of things were you working on, I suppose, to be ready when that next opportunity came? And, and how does your mind sort of tick over in that period where you don't know when the next opportunity is coming, if it's coming at all? You know, what's sort of going through your mind in that two-year period?
2: Um. Yeah, it was an interesting space to been because the whole time I, I was on, you know, one year um, contracts with the Sixers. So that kind of kept me in the system in some sense, but I was never on a New South Wales contract. Um, so after that year, and obviously it was COVID as well, that was the year I went to Darwin and tried to launch myself into first class cricket from there. Mm. Um, in general, like I didn't really work on something specific, it was more just rounding my game to you know I I thought I was a good enough cricketer at the time I think it was just adding more intensity to everything that I brought already if that makes sense yeah. Um, and just polishing the things that I was already good at Um, so I didn't really reinvent the wheel as such it was just more just making a better version of what I've already got um, you know owning what I was good at and just accepting you know I've got downfalls in my game whatever that may be um, but how can I work around that and i You know, I got the practice in Darwin and Gold Coast and moving forward, and that's what got me to, you know, the first-class system.
1: How did you enjoy your time in the NT? It's a bloody hot summer up there, isn't it?
2: Yeah, there was a lot of cramping up there. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome to play, though. Like, it was kind of like subcontinental conditions a little Mm. bit as well. Um, So a little bit different there. Um, And just what a place in general, you know, golf. And, yeah, I loved it. It was so much fun.
1: (laughs) Who did you play for up there, Kerry?
2: Uh, I was playing for the Desert Blaze in the Strike League yeah. um, and I played one, one game for Palmerston. Um, so they rolled me out at Palmerston Oval, zero off four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so a, yeah,
2: good game.
1: is this your first year on your Cricket New South Wales contract or second year?
2: This will be my second. Um, so I was contracted last year and the yeah. year before I got upgraded because I was playing games, but I yeah. came into that team not contract i'd
1: like to know what what's it like when you get a call and and you're being told that you're going to have a cricket new south wales contract i mean you know it's it's fantastic to be a part of the professional setup in the big bash but you know growing up you always want to be a professional cricketer you want to play for your state you eventually want to play for your country what's it like getting that phone call and you know what do you what sort of runs through your head and then what's your first phone call after you've been told who do you ring first
2: um yeah it's probably more imposter syndrome running through my head at that point. Yeah. Cause it's like, how, how the hell have I ended up here? Mm. Um, so that, and that still happens daily, obviously, but you, you know, I'd say like the first person I would have called was my family. I reckon my mm-hmm. like mum and dad. Um, so that was pretty special. And I think it was at the, that point, you know, I played a full year for the Blues, So they were probably expecting that I was going to get something anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was probably more emotional when, you know, like I debuted as opposed mm-hmm. to the contract stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's it was, yeah, definitely a, a feeling that I can remember for sure.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, let's look forward. That's good. We spoke about a lot what you've done already. Let's look forward. What are you trying to do this preseason or maybe whether that's skills or off the field to try and, like you said, just keep becoming a better version of yourself as a person and as a cricketer?
2: Um, so for me, this pre-season, I'm focusing more on my body. Um, and that's mostly due to me playing pretty much for the last two years straight. And I feel like the physical... Um, performance I was able to bring a couple of years ago is at the same level or maybe if not just a little bit below what I am now, just purely from the amount of cricket and the amount of energy I've been putting into prepping for games. I've been overseas twice, um, been to Darwin, haven't actually done a pre-season for a while. Mm. Um, And for me, I just think me being able to more intensity on the field with my physicality, whether it's, um, you know, bowling pace, endurance, being more powerful and being able to hit sixes, whatever it may be, I feel like that's my first point of call to um, level up that part of me. And then that will kind of lead into um, the general skills, um, batting, bowling. Um, It's just kind of polishing a few things there. Um, Nothing groundbreaking that I kind of want to work on because I don't really want to reinvent the wheel either. Um, But, yeah, intensity would probably be the word for me and just adding that to everything that I'm already doing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah,
0: what about um red ball cricket? Are you aspiring to play both white and red ball cricket, or you see yourself being more of one of those guys that can travel the world and play T Twenty uh, tournaments? Mm.
2: I'd love, yeah, like I don't feel like I'm the type of person that can pick and choose like whatever I'm <laughs> picked for. Yeah, um, but I'd love to do both until there comes a point that maybe white ball would give preference just with, you know, the amount of opportunities I get in white ball mm. versus red ball and skill sets in general, as you guys would know. So I think it would be slightly more biased to white ball, but I love playing red ball cricket and trying to, like, it's just such a good challenge. You, you can never perfect it and it's so difficult. Yeah. Um, I find that that's the ultimate challenge is, well, for me anyways, like a first-class level cricket, batting in first-class cricket. Like, that is just... I just find it so hard but it's such a good challenge um, mm. and you know that, that's something that I want to continue to pursue as long as I'm selected or you know in the frame for selection if that makes sense.
1: Yeah absolutely Maiden. there's one thing that we really try and do here at My Peak with our athletes and it's sort of bring all the things that Cam and I didn't have growing up into a coaching program and I'm interested to know if you could go back to maybe 12 or 13 years old with all the knowledge and the experience you have now what's one thing that you'd implementing your game, whether it's skills or off the field uh, that you think would maybe help enhance your performance at a bit of a younger
2: age? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know what? It's probably I, I wouldn't even do any sort of skill. I just think, you know, thinking back to uh, when I first walked into Sydney Uni and you had certain like, like-minded like people around you, you um, all trying to achieve a certain goal they might be slightly different but in general you're all trying to get better every day and and level up it's something that you love Mm. um you know if I could create a environment facility culture something in that you know kind of field that I was able to access at that age from 13 years old I think that I'd be at a different level to what I am now because it took me from ages 20 to 26 to find that for me. And that's where Mm. I am now versus, you know, if you are a part of that from when you're 13 and all of a sudden you leave home at 18, 19, you go study, you go round your life out nicely. And all of a sudden you've got this complete product there in front of you. So um, maybe, yeah, like, I'm still very grateful that I found that stuff, but if I was to be able to rewind, that's definitely what I'd be looking for.
0: Yeah, awesome. And just to finish it off, Curry, what do you, we know cricket can be very very uh, tedious game and very consuming. What do you do away from the cricket field to make sure you take your mind off things and go about sort of other hobbies in your life mm. as well?
2: Yeah, I... I used to work a little bit as a physio because I've got a degree there, but that's kind of been put on the back burner at the moment. Um, I have the dog, obviously, who interrupted our chat earlier, and she was just licking my leg. Probably sounded while well, I was a bit distracted. Um, but yeah, so I take Millie out for a walk. She's a beautiful border collie. Um, spend spend time with Jack, my partner, and and go play a bit of golf and that sort of stuff. I like getting home to Barrow. It's always great fun down there. So. That's kind of what we do in the winter. Um, and then when it's cricket time, it's just, I love it. So, obviously, I'm just, yeah. my mind is all concerned all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you like on the golf course, Kerry? Yeah, what are you hitting
2: off, Kerry? Yeah. I'm hitting big cover drives <laughs> onto the next tee. Uh, <laughs> my handicap's 12, but I'm definitely yeah, not nice. a 12. That's southern. good, golf. i uh, do not there, but... Um, yeah, if you guys are keen golfers, we'll have to get out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. We'll get Henry involved as well. It's a great game, golf, isn't it? It's sort of the perfect mold from cricket to golf. It can frustrate you a thousand different ways, but that's why you're also addicted to the sport.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Funny you mention it, actually, because a lot of I love my sports psych as well, um, and some of the best books that I've ever listen to and the best ones that have been for my cricket dr bob rotella so for anyone listening that loves their sports psych he's a he's a i'm not sure if he was a golf pro himself but he's obviously a sports psychologist and specializes in golf some of the concepts that they talk about they're just brilliant so so applicable to cricket um, more so than any other generalized um you know sports psychology it's awesome
1: yeah, yeah, that's well, brilliant. Well, just before we run out of time, Curry, just wanted to thank you so much from coming on. Cam and I get so much out of just listening to you Guru speak. So our athletes absolutely love these episodes. So thanks for spitting some knowledge at us today.
2: Of course, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. And I hope anyone out there listening can, you know, take something from my ramble today. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, yeah, like you have social media and all that sort of stuff. So if anyone is really passionate about those things and has questions, just just flick me a message and I'll be you know gladly happy to reply. Awesome. That's
0: great. We'll catch you next time on the My Peak podcast.